You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org. Good morning, church. So glad you could all be with us this morning online. If you're joining us on Facebook or YouTube, uh, we're so glad that you decided to join us and worship with us this morning. Uh, you know, we as a leadership team, we decided um, that this Sunday was, was time for us to shift to a live service format. As we, as we sense the tide turning, uh, the tone shifting in regards to this pandemic, we, we felt like it was time for us to, to um, begin actually gathering in person and I mean, sorry, gathering live before we gather in person, before we make that call back. There is a day coming when we will gather again in person. We, we look forward to those days, but in the meantime, we'll, we'll continue to, to gather in, in this format. And I encourage you to, to track along with us on our website there, uh, on our website, livethemessage.org. We're continuing to give updates in regards to the decisions that we make uh, especially in the, the next coming weeks or months, uh, in regards to any changes that we make, they will be posted there in a timely fashion, so track along with us there. This morning I want to share a message with you entitled, Hope in the Last Days. Hope in the Last Days, because we are living in the last days. And in, in these recent weeks and months, there has been these brewing questions uh, in, that, uh, in, in regards to that topic. Is, are these the last days? Is this... Is this the end? Is Christ going to return at any time? Is this, is this the end of the world as we know it? And really, the, the pastoral answer is, it's getting closer. It reminds me of taking, uh, taking road trips with my kids. Inevitably, whether we're going only 30 minutes to Des Moines or if we're traveling across the entire Midwest, inevitably, there's a couple of my kids who are more common offenders. They'll be the ones who ask, are we there yet? Are we there yet, Dad? Are we there yet? Even if we're just heading out of Ames, Dad, are we there yet? And my default answer as of late has been, we are getting closer. That's the truth. It's not sarcasm. We truly are getting closer. And in regards to the, the, uh, the world as we know it and the, the signs of the end of the age and these end times, the reality is we are getting closer. Today, we are closer than we were yesterday. And I don't say that with any sort of sarcasm. There is a, a call for us to live in a certain way in, in, in regards to that reality, in regards to that truth. We are getting closer. And the, the, the tone, the atmosphere in the air the last couple of weeks it has actually it's reminded me of 20 years ago, the, the days following 9-11. I remember where, where I was not on 9-11, 2001, my sophomore year of high school. That's right, I was four years old in high school. Um, but my sophomore year of high school, I remember where I was that morning when we began to hear word of planes crashing into the World Trade Centers. And, and then we heard a third plane crash into the Pentagon. We heard a fourth plane was headed towards the White House. All these questions began to flood, flood our minds and flood our conversations. What is going on in the world? Is this, is this some you know, apocalyptic World War III? Is this the end of it all? What, what is going on? And that consumed our conversations it consumed our minds the rest of that entire day, obviously, for the weeks following. I remember driving to church that evening of 9-11 and driving past the gas station. and People were lined up for two blocks trying to fill up on gas. I remember people rushing to the grocery store to stockpile goods. A very similar atmosphere as has been experienced the last 
several weeks, this sense of fear and anticipation, this, these looming questions of what is going on, people trying to wrap their minds around the ramifications of this global pandemic. This has been different in some ways, but in terms of, of other um, uh, ramifications of fear and questioning, it's been similar. So are we in the last days? Is this the end of it all? Or we're getting closer. And I want to speak a message of encouragement, a message of hope to you this morning in the midst of all, of all this, in the midst of the last days. The, the reality is we are in the last days. From a biblical standpoint, from a, like a New Testament understanding of the, the signs of the end of the age, we are living in the last days. And so I want to delineate some terms for you before we dive into, into the meat of this, this morning's message because there can be some, oftentimes some confusion in regards to conversa- conversations about uh, the end of all things and the end times. And so I want to delineate between the term the last days and the last day, or the great day of the Lord. Because oftentimes they can be used interchangeably, in conver- or people can hear them interchangeably, but they are distinctly different. So I want to, I want to make that very clear. In Acts chapter 2, Peter as he's talking to the crowds and he's giving context as to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that had just taken place, he he quotes the the prophet Joel. He says, In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the apostle Peter, as he's giving context to what had just taken place there in Jerusalem as the, the Holy Spirit was out, uh, poured out upon these, these believers, it's 120 He quotes the prophet Joel, and he says, these are the last days that the prophet Joel foretold, where the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. But then he points them to a future day, the last day, the great day of the Lord, the magnificent day of the Lord, where Jesus again is revealed to all humanity. And there is this separation, this judgment of the righteous and the unrighteous that a lot of the Old Testament prophets um, prophesy about. So we are living in the last days, just as the Apostle Peter talked about. The Apostle John said something very similar. He gave it a different phrase, but he said, children, this is in 1 John chapter 2, he says, children, it is the last hour. So in in this, this cosmic clock regarding the end times, we are in the last hour. And he says, as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they are not of us. And if they have been of us, they would, they would have continued with us. There's this spirit of the Antichrist that's already at work on the earth. And he's been on the spirit of the Antichrist, these ones who deny the, the, the deity of the, the Godhead, the Jesus as God. They deny that reality, that truth. That spirit is already at work on the earth. Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy, but understand this. That in the last days, there will come times of difficulties. 
These are the last days. We are living in the last days. The Apostle Jude says that in the last days there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. We are living in the last days. Are we there yet? Oh, we're getting closer. And we distinguish the season in which you you and I live currently as the last days. We distinguish that from the last day. The restoration of all things, the unveiling of King Jesus again. As the angel appeared to the the disciples there on the Mount of Olives, he said Jesus is going to return in a similar fashion as to the way he ascended into heaven. He is going to be revealed again to all humanity. And that is the day of the Lord. That's the last day. And we're getting closer. The Apostle Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. There has been a shaking, especially as of late, over the last several decades, and even over the last century, there's been a shaking on the earth. But there's an even greater shaking that's coming that will expose all things. And only that which is grounded in Christ will stand. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 21. That's going to be our main text. I know I've just been bombarding you with scripture already, but I wanted to give context into terms. I want to define terms. The last days is different than the last day. We are living in the last days. Luke chapter 21, we're going to look at the words of Christ as he talks about the signs of the end of the age. As he talks about what to anticipate, what what to be looking for in these last days as we anticipate his return, as 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 we keep our eyes fixed on our hope in Jesus Christ. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 21, starting in verse 25. He says, And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear and with their foreboding or the expectation of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up. Raise, raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. What a vivid description of the days in which you and I live. There are signs on the earth. The earth is in distress. distress. There's perplexity on the earth. There's fear of this foreboding or this anticipation of what is coming on the world. Is that not what we've been experiencing over the last six or seven weeks? It's this anticipation of what to make of this. If it's not of the virus itself, it's of the economic ramifications. If it's not of the virus of the, the, the economy, it's, it's of the, the, the governmental policy making that's happening all across the globe. There's so much anticipation. There's so much fear that's sweeping across the land. And Jesus foretold, he, he talked about these days that were coming. He prophesied about these times that would, that would precede his return that would precede the revelation, the unveiling of Jesus again before humanity. He says, as these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your heads 
because your redemption is drawing near. So in the midst of seeming uncertainty, in the midst of shaking across the earth, in the midst of distress and foreboding or anticipation, Jesus gives us hope that we can know when that question brews up in our hearts, when our friends or our neighbors ask, is this the end of it all? We can have this hope that we know it is getting closer. We are getting closer to that day. We are getting closer to the restoration of all things. We can know that our redemption is drawing near. Now, I know anytime we talk about the end times, we talk about the last days, these things, there's so so much theological uh, information out there for people to, to wade through and begin these conversations about the end times. I want to bring us beyond the typical uh, end times debates that exist that oftentimes people encamp in and never move beyond this morning as I call us to a place of real life change and real real, um, uh, actionable living. As I believe most of the time people stop on the theological level and never allow the truth of God's word to actually impact their way of life. I'd say many times in these conversations about the end times, people kind of fall into two separate camps. One of the, the camps is the, the pessimists. Those are the people that they, they see scripture, that, that uh, prophesy about these end times, the signs of the end of the age, and they see that there's going to be this increased intensity of evil on the earth. That things are going to get worse. Lawlessness is going to increase. The love of many will grow cold. And there's kind of this doom and gloom air about them. They're the pessimists. And they fall into certain theological camps as well in terms of their viewpoints specifically in regards to the end times. There's others that are more of the optimists. There are others that, that see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts as, a, as a, a preface to what is to come. And they see the church growing in influence on the earth. Someday some would even say that, that it's going to usher in the millennial reign of Christ. That the church is going to infiltrate every sphere of society. And so people kind of rally to these camps and I would say unnecessarily pit themselves against each other. But I would say the overwhelming sense of scripture is something more that actually bears to our, uh, bears uh, application to our daily lives, which is an increased intensity. As the, the, la- the last day approaches and the last days continue to pro- progress, there is an increased intensity on the earth. And I believe that as there's an increased intensity on the earth, there's a call to increase our intentionality. Increased intensity is a call to increase our intentionality. So I want to set aside the typical theological debates regarding the end times and instead call us to live differently in light of the realities that we are in the last days. I believe that our redemption is drawing near and there is an increased intensity taking place on the earth and there will continue to be an increased intensity. And I'm praying that each and every one of you this morning heed the call of Jesus to straighten up, to lift up our heads and anticipate that our redemption is drawing near. So whether you feel like you're an optimist or a pessimist, I'm praying that you just heed the call of Jesus this morning. 
Your redemption is drawing near. The day of Christ is drawing closer than ever before. So I want to take the rest of the time this morning to highlight what I believe are the, um, the ways in which there will be increased intensity, both in the church, so I would say for the optimists out there, in the positive ways, but there will also be an increased intensity of evil in the world. And I want to highlight both of those from a scriptural standpoint this morning. There will be increased intensity in the church. You know, Jesus in Luke 21 He's speaking to spiritual ears that can hear for them to straighten up, lift up their heads and focus their eyes on the redemption that is drawing near. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't be speaking that out prophetically if that wasn't going to land on good soil. There is always going to be a remnant on the earth of ones that are, are hungry and receptive, that Holy Spirit lives in, that gives them ears to hear what the Spirit is doing in, in an hour. And in this last hour, that is true. There are the ones that are in anticipation of the redemption. Secondly, there will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all flesh. Just as Peter talked about on the day of Pentecost, he talked about this, this progressive outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the earth in these last days that will characterize the last days. And I am not in a... In a theological camp that tries to explain away the book of Acts. I see the book of Acts as an introduction of this beautiful story of the church and that the signs and wonders we read about in the book of Acts give us fuel for our faith to then believe that that's going to happen again in our day. And I see the book of Acts as a, as a picture of, of what we should, be, of what we should believe, be believing for for our city and for our region. So there will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all flesh. And I praise God that I get to live in the day and age in which I get to live. That in the last hundred years, there's been such a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the earth. Third is the gospel will be proclaimed in all the nations. As foretold in Mark chapter 13 and in Luke chapter 24. Mark chapter 13 verse 10 says, And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all the nations. And then the end will come. And we are living in an unprecedented age of the gospel being spread across the earth because of the globalization and connectivity that's happening on the earth, because of the, the, um, the compelling call in the church for people to, to translate the gospel and the, the scripture into languages amongst unreached people groups. There's a spreading of the gospel that's happening in unprecedented ways across the earth. We are a part of that. So there is this increased intensity on the earth of the gospel going forth and many people um, calling people to give their lives, lay down their lives for the sake of the gospel all across the earth. You know, in the last hundred years, there's actually been more martyrs in the last hundred years than in the last 1900 years and the 1900 years prior to that combined. That's because there's this increased just intensity of the great commission being accomplished in our generation than ever before. The gospel will be proclaimed in all nations. Fourth is that Jesus gives us these promise, promises of the Holy Spirit coming. In the age of the Holy Spirit being even greater than the age of his physical ministry. So as amazing as the gospel accounts are of the works of Jesus, 
Jesus tells us that it's better that he leaves and he sends Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us and that we would do even greater works than he did. So we, we look to these promises. We look to what the prophets have told us. And we see that ch- the church, capital C, there will be this great intensity, this, this increasing intent, intensity in the church in the days to come and in these last days. So what about the increase of evil for all you pessimists out there? For those of you that like to concentrate on that, that's fine. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Let's look at Paul's description of these last days and the increase of evil. He says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulties. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. And Paul gives that, that, that command 2,000 years ago to avoid these ones, these, these essentially promoters of the last day's spirit, He says, avoid them then. All the more we should be avoiding this spirit from infiltrating our heart, this spirit of the age. And in these last days, there will be this increase, this increase in lawlessness, this increase in a religious spirit that embraces godliness but denies its power, this increase of people promoting self and being lovers of money, being arrogant and abusive. And there's not a day that, that goes by where we don't, we don't recognize that in the world around us. It can be sometimes difficult to stay encouraged. And we see so much evil all around us, so much lawlessness and so much open embrace of it, so much confusion, so much chaos morally in our world. Well, that was foretold that in these last days that would happen. There would be an increase in evil. Or what about the the words of Jesus. Here's Jesus' description in Matthew 24. He says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. In this Gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So Jesus and Paul, they foretell certain, or certain similar things. That there will be great difficulty that comes upon the earth, especially for believers. Especially for those of us who claim Jesus Christ as Savior. There will be great division on the earth, and, and I don't know... Uh, if there's ever been such a time of such great division on the earth that's been happening, especially the last 10 years, so much opposition. And because of our overconnected world, there's already such, more, uh, su- such an increase in people being encamped in their own uh, tribes, not hearing, not listening to each other, not having any, any sort of respectable discourse. And so all the more division is increasing on the earth. And that's exactly what was foretold. There would be an increased intensity of evil 
on the earth. And so regardless of your theological landing in regards to eschatology or the end times, I encourage you to first take stock on our daily living. And are we living with a certain intentionality that's reflective of the increased intensity that's happening on the earth? Whether you focus on the increased intensity in the church, the increased intensity of evil in the world, I would say it's even more, more um, important that we ask the question, are we living intentionally in light of that fact? Are we living in a way that's reflective of that increased intensity that, that Jesus, that the, the New Testament writers, they, they foretold, that they told us would come? Are we heeding the call of Jesus to straighten up, to lift up our heads, to focus on this redemption that is drawing near? Are we there yet? Well, we're getting closer. Really, we don't know. We just know we're getting closer. And there's this call upon a follower of Jesus to anticipate this day of our redemption, that our redemption is drawing near. Jesus is our focus. He is our affection. He is our one heart's desire. He is our reward. He will lead us through. Regardless of what is to come, he will lead us through. He is our guide. And as intensity increases, our need to fix our eyes on Jesus increases as well. The call to remain steadfast, to not be amongst that company of people that turn back, to not be amongst the company of people that, that, that turn away from the love of God. But instead, we fix our eyes on Jesus, knowing that our redemption is drawing near. I pray that upon you this morning, I pray that upon every person that's a part of our church, that we discern the times, that we recognize these last days for what they are, and we anticipate our redemption that is drawing near. As I was considering these dynamics and the intensity of it all, and the adventure of traversing these last days, I had an experience pop into my mind that I had several years ago on a journey I got to take to the, the nation of Guatemala. I got to take, uh, I've been to Guatemala several times, but my very first time to this beautiful nation, my host home, my host family, they, they took me to the, the jungle in the eastern side of the country to a, a jungle excursion to a cave with a river running through it. It sounded amazing. It sounded like a blast. And for a city slicker like me, I kind of assumed, I presumed what it would look like. Didn't know we'd have to hike through the jungle several miles. That we'd be led by a, a, a local guide that was in a loincloth with a satchel full of candles. But that's what I found myself in. We, we hiked our way through the jungle. A, couple in, a few people in our group were starting to get tired before we even got to the cave. By the time we got to the cave, though, I anticipated a catwalk of a nicely lit cave like you find in the States. That's not what we found. We found an ominously dark cave with a river running through it. And that means the water is pitch black. <laughs> so we started to wade into the water and it didn't take more than a minute for a few in our group to decide it's too much for them. <laughs> They're like, nope, it doesn't pass the worth of test. 
I'm turning back. So even though they had trudged through the jungle for the last two or three miles, they wanted to head back to the vehicle. So that's what they did. A few of us remained and we trusted our guide. We began to make our way through the pitch black water led by only single candles that he would light as we made our way through this cave. Now our anticipation through this entire adventure was we were told that at the end of this cave, there would be a waterfall, you know, 10, 12 feet high waterfall that we could jump off into the water below, still in a cave, so a giant room. As we began to make our way through this cave, you know, I had to more and more work up the mental energy to fix my mind on that reward. Because I'm not, I'm not one for creepy crawlies. I'm not one for the, the ominous dark waters of what lies beneath me in this jungle cave. There was actually one moment where we, there was a low hanging arch, maybe three or four feet above the water. It was covered in bats. Not only was it covered in bats and we had to go through that arch, the water was so deep that you had to swim. There's no wading. There's no walking through that arch. You had to swim under the arch covered with bats. I thought maybe that was gonna be too much, but I did it. The guide literally just swimming through with his satchel above his head. And finally we make it to this final room, the waterfall. Our guide crawls around the cave, lighting candles all over the room. And we reach this final waterfall, 10, 12 feet high, that we get to jump off into the water below. And it was exhilarating. It was a rush. And it was even a greater joy in light of the, the journey that we had, the adventure that we had traversed to get there. It was even, even greater joy for us to experience that at the end of what was a scary adventure. But honestly, I, I thought of that because there's so many parallels to the, the current realities that we're living through. So many unknowns, so much darkness, so much literally that we do not know. I mean, even the experts can only give us so much knowledge and it changes tomorrow. So I've realized in these days of late that all the more I need to straighten up, lift up my head and fix my eyes on Jesus, that he's my guide. He's gonna see me through, that the reward is gonna be worth it, that I don't wanna be a part of that company that turns back. I don't wanna be a part of that company that, that allows fear to overcome me, that allows the doubts and the unbelief to, to convince me to turn back, that it's not worth it. Instead, I wanna be one who keeps it simple fixes my eyes on Jesus, Jesus as my leader, Jesus as my guide, and know that my redemption is drawing near. The reward is coming. It's coming closer. Are we there yet? Well, it's getting closer. This is what Paul told Titus. He said, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live, how? To live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So we live intentionally in this present age, self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness 
and to purify us or purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. All the more, and even in that passage, we see overarching an increased intensity, an increased intensity in those who are living more intentionally, zealous for the things of God, while there's also an increased intensity of evil and difficulty in the world. So I encourage you, as there's an increased intensity, there's also a call to increase our intentionality. Here's how I'd like to close this morning. I wanna give an opportunity for individuals to surrender their life to Christ. Anytime we, we talk about the end of all things and the last days, I have to give a call for you to respond to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ. He is your only hope. He's my only hope. And I've realized that several years ago, that there's nothing in my life that I can do to clean myself up. But he truly is my guide. He is my teacher. He's my leader that, that leads me to traverse these weird times. He is my everything. And, and in these moments of this shaking that's happening across the earth, all the more, I encourage you to make that decision for yourself. And so whether you pray along with me now or after you turn this off, you pray in your heart a prayer of surrender, a prayer of faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, I encourage you to do that on your own. Let's pray. If, if that's you and you want to surrender your life to Christ this morning, pray a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, this morning, I come to an end of myself. Lord, in these last days, I recognize all the more that I need you. That there's nothing I can do to clean my life up. There's nothing I can do because of my sin issue. I need you. And so this morning, I recognize your perfect sacrifice on the cross the reality of your resurrection and the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes to live inside of me when I surrender myself to you and place my faith in you. So that's what I do this morning. Surrender all that I am to you. No turning back, Jesus, from this day forward. Thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy upon my life. In your mighty name, amen. Secondly, I want to pray over our church that in this hour we would live with greater intentionality and even as this current crisis passes that we would allow this to be um, you know a another building block upon this foundation of our lives that we allow it allow it to be a training grounds for us to live with greater intentionality to truly straighten up lift up our heads and anticipate the redemption that's drawing you. I want to pray a prayer of grace upon you in this hour that you'd live with greater intentionality to live today for the fullest, for the glory of God. That's going to be my prayer for you. Lord, I pray over every individual that's joined us this morning. For any one individual that's allowed the love of God to grow cold, any individual that's maybe allowed doubts to get the best of them, that maybe have thought about turning back or, or maybe doubted your faithfulness, doubted your redemption. I pray for a special grace upon our church family this morning, upon every individual, upon every family. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, flood every living room this morning. Flood every home with your presence. The faithfulness of God, the unchanging love of God, 
a confirmation of your redemption that's drawing near. Just that confirming peace of God that individuals and families, married couples, singles, they would know that their redemption is drawing near. And so they would live differently. They'd live with a new sense of intentionality, a new sense of discipline and self-control, desiring to be trained for the things of God in these last days. I pray it in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much again for joining us this morning. And we've decided to shift our services to 10 a.m. just to make it a little more of a convenient time for many to join us. So next Sunday, we will be live again, 10 a.m. Please follow us on uh, Facebook and YouTube to follow along with our updates of things that are going on and changes that are coming in the days to come. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org.